Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers will be without Gabe Vincent for at least six to eight weeks. What does it mean for them at the trade deadline? Plus, new rumors, fresh rumors, Andy, next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free. It is never behind a paywall. And live people do that. Oh, you guys are just saying that. No, there are podcasts that are locked behind a paywall, but not this one. Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with uh, 22,000 or so subscribers to the channel, um, many of whom are still real annoyed with Darvin Ham's uh, rotation choices and selections for how he's doing his starting lineup, among other things. They are mad, Andy, at the man they call Pockets. Um, pockets so, or... It, <laughs> I think, my, you know, there's Darwin Scam, there's Darwin Spam. All the iterations of of insults that rhyme with ham. Right, Darwin Scram as in Scram, get out of here, fire the guy. My favorite, though, of all of the Darwin Ham disrespectful nicknames... And I don't know why, other than I find it delightful, even though it's meant to be totally disrespectful, because it's disrespectful in ways that are totally vague, is when people call him Darvin Hamon, like <laughs> J-A-M-O-N. I've seen that one. Love. I love Like Darvin somehow Hamon. saying Again, ham in Spanish yes. makes it worse. Yeah, well, it's the, be it's the best of all worlds because it's funny – it gets out the disrespect, you know, it gets it out of the system of those who are upset at Darvin Ham. But by any rational, you know, I guess, evaluation, it's not all that disrespectful. So I don't feel bad for Darvin Ham as a person because <laughs> he seems like a pretty solid dude. So I, I feel like everybody wins with Darvin Ham. Like, like that could be his, like if Darvin ever has to disappear, if he ever has to like come up with some sort of, uh, alternative life or whatever he could just become darvin hamon <laughs> and see if he blends in that way that feels like a pretty bad way for darvin ham <laughs> to blend in in his new life like, yeah, like I, a little I would, fake mustache <laughs> yeah Dar when if darvin ham ever had to be put like in the witness protection program and started a new life in like i don't know flagstaff <laughs> i don't think they're giving him the name darvin hamon and saying you know what you're fine now <laughs> nobody will no. ever find you yeah um all right do so better we're gonna we're gonna talk some about the uh the the rotation because the starting lineup is is uh is a thing and will remain a thing and um until it either changes or um <clears throat> the results improve um but uh and we're, we're gonna talk about some juicy new uh members who have been added to the rumor mill and attached to the lakers so that's exciting and all of it andy um is related to the injury uh to gabe vincent which we'll talk about here in a second as soon as i let you know that today's episode is brought to you by prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code all lowercase locked on nba for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars so uh the lakers over the weekend announced that um gabe vincent would indeed undergo surgery for his problematic i believe left knee um, and uh, will be out a minimum of six to eight weeks. 
Um, this is bad news for the Lakers because Andy, it robs them of a lot of, you know, a lot of options and things they want, particularly on the defensive side of the ball they were hoping to have. Well, there's just a lot of optionality, period, even when you start thinking about the season, you know, 5,000-foot view. But as far as the immediate ramifications, you lose the point of attack defense that you were hoping to get from Gabe Vincent. You're, you lose a ball handler. You lose, if you are optimistic about Vincent, the three-point shooting that he showed during the Heat's finals run last season or last playoff run that you believe in, even though the start has been pretty dreadful. It's also such a small sample size that you shouldn't read too much into it. But also, too, like related back to this whole lineup thing, Gabe Vincent would, at least in theory, and you, you know, obviously you need to see more of him, like quite literally more of him with this team, but in theory, he gives you a possible split the difference option with a defensive upgrade while or at least a defensive option right. while still giving you a you know a second ball handler that they need right now if say and hopefully some three point shooting and you know a little bit of table setting a little bit of scoring like if you wanted if you weren't ready for Darvin Ham like if Darvin was not ready to go to either Austin Reeves or D'Angelo Russell because of the defensive issues, but you came to realize Reddish and Vando together compromises the offense too much, Vincent could theoretically split the baby a bit. So that is out the window beyond some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah, and, you know, obviously th this, you know, it, it – I, I actually think I texted you, we, you know, but when they made this lineup change, like they must have known, they must have had been very aware that Vincent wasn't going to be coming back anytime soon because otherwise I don't think you you make the change that they made where they now have both of their you know headliner guards coming off the bench. Um, I don't think you can do that if you have a third guy in, in Gabe Vincent that you're trying to integrate back into the lineup, you know, even for 15 or 20 minutes at a time. That's just, that is a a really difficult thing to do when everybody is coming off the bench. And so I, I, I think the Lakers had a pretty good feel for, for this coming, and that, I, I think, influenced Darvin's decision. Um, we never really got a chance to truly see what Vincent was going to do in like a really holistic way with a good sample size, trying it out with a few different lineups, you know, playing next to Reeves, playing next to D'Lo, playing instead of both of those guys, whatever it might be. And, you know, if the shooting had been able to come around, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the issues, you know, that they might have with Russell, maybe you can just mitigate those by playing Vincent Moore and Russell less. Like there's, there's all kinds of what ifs that we're just not going to be able to find out. But the other thing that it really affects Andy is to put this in perspective, he played 127 minutes this yeah. season <laughs> that ain't much no um not not you know 30 something percent through or you know near 40 percent now we're getting you know closer to the the halfway mark than we than we were before um it really impacts their you talk about optionality their optionality around the trade deadline because now, regardless of what starting lineup they have and I do not expect the lineup that they have, now to last through the trade deadline, which is February 8th. Um, I, I don't 
I don't think you can trade D'Angelo Russell now um, without getting some kind of ball handler, ball distributor in return. It does not have to be a point guard, but the per- if you give up Russell in a trade, somebody who can handle the ball needs to come back, whether that's DeMar DeRozan, who's not a classic point guard, but is a very good passer and very comfortable with the ball, running pick and rolls, stuff like that. Um, you can't just trade him for like a power forward now and call it a day. No, I mean, if you if you made that type of theoretical move, you could argue that the third best creator on this team is Torian Prince. Uh-huh. And due respect to Torian, who is playing very well. He's one of the few Lakers that I don't think anybody should have any complaints about right now. That is not a formula for success. It like, isn't. He needs to be You're lower asking on that Torian list. to weave well outside <laughs> of his lane. Right. So, look, could you still potentially move D'Angelo Russell for a non-ball handling player and then turn around and make a side deal for a different type of guard? Sure. Like, sure. That's the, on the table. However it is done, whenever you're done, in the end, if Russell's gone, somebody else who is a ball handler, point forward type, whatever it is, needs to be in a Lakers uniform because otherwise it just isn't going to work. And that obviously limits your options if you are looking to shop D'Angelo Russell as is expected slash rumored if you know you could be if his contract was set up like everybody thinks to eventually be traded and certainly him moving to the bench signals at least some lessening faith in D'Lo if not this season moving forward whatever you still need to get somebody with a similar skill set back which makes the latest rumors with the Lakers interesting Let's talk about that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors, and our partners at eBay Motors have signed up with Locked On Fantasy host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. And whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we are going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's check out who Josh has picked up for this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Well, there is Dallas's Dante Exum, who the Lakers have seen destroy them. Um, Jason Kidd said that even when the roster is fully intact, they're going to keep starting Dante Exum. He's not going to likely keep shooting this well from outside, but starting player, grab him while you can. And also, shout out to Torian Prince. He made Josh Lloyd's list because, again, he is shooting the lights out right now. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And same with your vehicle. There is nothing worse than having your vehicle break down. True story. I once had to pull over in a Starbucks because the car that I was concerned was in such bad shape, it could, I don't know, catch on fire one day, actually caught on fire. And it would have been really nice to have had eBay Motors as an option back then because they got over 122 million parts for your car, including fire extinguishers. We looked that up. They actually have that at eBay Motors. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it is guaranteed to fit the ride your first time, every time, or your money back. And at those prices, you are burning rubber, not cash or your car. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
So, uh, Andy Sham Sharania of The Athletic and Stadium, I believe, is his other deal. Um, he reports that the Lakers are interested, would be interested, in DeJounte Murray, the combo guard, I guess you would call him, from Atlanta. Should the Hawks, who lost again on Monday, decide to um, just go ahead and throw in the towel? The Hawks, I believe, now are 12-18. and 18. Through uh, Tuesday's games, they are dead in the water in the East. They have a relatively expensive roster. Um, with, and that pairing has not more you know, any fruit. Moore, Murray Trey Young deal is just not working. So, um, with that in mind, Dejounte Murray could be on the move, and the Lakers would be interested. Now, that is a player that if they got him back, uh, I would say, okay, I can live with that. That ain't bad. He's a good player. I mean, first of all, as far as players linked to the Lakers, DeJounte Murray, to me, feels like a better option, certainly than Zach Levine, but I would say even a better option than DeMar DeRozan because he's a better two-way player. Like, DeJounte yeah. Murray can... He's a very good defender. He can be a really, really good defender. He made, when he's still a member of the Spurs, he made the all-defense team. It is, I think, very difficult to make the all-defense team as a member of these Hawks. But I think if he was in a uh, more functional environment, you could see him getting those type of accolades again. He is a very good scorer. He's never been an established outside shooter, but this season he's actually shooting the ball at about 38% from three. He is a solid distributor. Like, And his price, by the way, is pretty reasonable. The contract is mm -hmm. He started next season, four years, 130, something like that. That is, I think, very reasonable for a player. For a player of that caliber. caliber. Right. Yeah. For a player of that caliber, um, I think the fact that he is only 27 and is on what is considered a pretty reasonable deal means that if he's really on the block, there could be suitors. And I have my doubts about whether or not the Lakers could actually get him, um, particularly if, um, according to Sham Sharania, and other reports around the league, not necessarily about Murray, but just in general, that the Lakers would be unwilling to put Austin Reeves in any type of deal. I think it starts becoming even less likely uh -huh. that the Lakers could get Murray. But as a theoretical, yeah, I think he could be a really nice fit with this team. And I would absolutely prefer him somewhat over DeRozan, absolutely over Zach Levine. I, I think the, the advantage to having him over DeRozan is if you like the, the if you really feel confident in Murray, who is 6'5", you know, he's got a lot of length. He's a skinny dude, but he's got a lot of length. You could play him with Reeves. Like, that's not, that wouldn't be a problem, uh, I don't think. Um, and so, you know, that would sort of solidify your backcourt in a way. You could... You know, add some defensive presence to allow you to have more offense on the floor um, and go back to like a Murray, Reeves, Prince, LeBron, AD kind of lineup that I think is significantly better. Assuming they could get him without giving up Reeves. Correct. Um, with, you know, with that premise that you could do it without giving up Reeves. Um, the, you know, DeRozan is obviously a little, you know, because he's older. Um, he's on an expiring deal. Like it could be more of a thing where you're just trying to get through this season. We'll see what happens. You're not committed to anything long term, and so on and so on and so on. I'd be happy with either guy. I, I'm a huge DeRozan fan. He's not a big, uh, not a great defender, but I think he'd be as motivated 
to try as hard as he could on that end as possible and would be a really nice fit with LeBron and AD. Even though he's not a floor stretcher, he can be a floor spacer because of his passing ability, because of his mid-range game, because of a lot of that other stuff um, that he is capable of doing. So really smart, uh, really effective scorer. Both of those guys, I agree with you, light years ahead of a Zach Levine um, type acquisition in my mind. I don't know if they have, I agree with you, I don't know if they have enough stuff to get Murray because I feel like the bidding could be pretty high on him. Yeah, especially again, if if the Lakers are really as unwilling to include Austin Reeves in any type of deal that isn't like a true superstar or like multi-time all-star, that type of player, that they won't move, that they won't move Reeves at all, which side note, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more, but just throw it out there. If Reeves is that important to this team, he should be playing more than 28 minutes a game. Well, he gets tired, Andy. Well, then he <laughs> couldn't be that important to the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he needs to work on his cardio. Like, I just want to throw that out there. If he is that because he that keeps coming up, no matter who the Lakers are linked to, like any type of name, that Austin Reeves would be off the table. And I get why he could be off the table because that contract is a tremendous value. He's a really good player, but you can't have this both ways, right? Like he he can't be untouchable adjacent, but also playing less than thirty minutes a night as a matter of principle. Well, and it's it's also too. It's like this is a this is where the rotation question and how this stuff works. And like you know, we'll get. I think we're gonna get back to this in the third segment. The the choices that they make. Darwin isn't saying that he can't play 33 minutes a game. What he's essentially saying, as I understand it, is that because of he how he you know, he's coming off the bench and the, the, the patterns and the minutes that are available, when we try to push him up to 33, 34, 35 a night, it means he has to play 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 minutes at a time, like too many of these long stretches. And at the end of them, he gets tired, which is understandable given the way that Reeves plays. Like that is not an easy way to do it, <laughs> what he's doing. It requires a lot of energy. But the the answer to that is figure out a way to make those stints shorter and get them up to 33. Like that's... I get, I- you cannot have this always. Like no. it can't be six different things at once. And I say this as somebody who is in no hurry to trade Reeves. No, but what you don't want is for him to become not exactly the same thing, but a, a version of what happened for years with the Clippers and Terrence Mann, right. where maybe it's worked out now. You know that the James Harden thing—they're they're playing well and they managed to keep Terrence Mann. But there were a few years where. They could have moved Terrence Mann and gotten somebody who could help them more. The Clippers always refused to put him in any deal, but they also weren't committed to playing him. So it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I um, let's. This is the roles thing. Some of this is roles related, and you know, there's been a lot of talk, and you know, you can tell when you listen to players after games that they're frustrated. Um, Rui Hachimura has basically in so many words said i don't exactly know what it is i'm supposed to be doing what my role is on this team um you know russell's had his moved around reeves has had his moved around 
guys like Vanderbilt and 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 Cam Reddish are now being put in a different role just by nature of this starting lineup. They're going to be asked to do different things because other teams are going to make them do different things in terms of handling the ball and making passes, taking outside shots, being the open, you know, release valve and all that kind of stuff. Like this is stuff that is a little bit different, particularly I think in 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 you know as a playmaker for Reddish and and as a potential scorer for Vanderbilt. Um they're being put in positions where their role is going to be different and something outside their comfort zone. Darwin has always been somebody who has been able to engender buy-in from his players. And the concern that I have, partially related to this lineup question, is if they have to change the lineup again, you are you know, kind of continuing this process of guys not understanding what it is that they're supposed to be doing and when and how. So let's let's continue this lineup thing next because it is an issue that is not going anywhere. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Game Time. And years ago, some friends of mine and I, we went to go see LL Cool J in LA at the now defunct House of Blues. And we didn't have tickets, didn't know how to score them at the last minute. So we went to a scalper. Turns out he sold us fake tickets. He saw that we were suckers and we managed to get into the show anyway. But after that experience, I was like, never again. And you don't have to do that because of game time. Here's why I love it. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy shows, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets, start getting hyped for the fun. And the game time guarantee means you will always get the Best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress using Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, okay, Darvin said something I thought was really interesting after the Minnesota game where the Lakers lost. No LeBron in that game, played a very good game, I thought, and just kind of ran mm -hmm. out of gas against a you know the best team right now in the Western Conference. It's lost one game at home all year. No shame in that loss, Lakers. We had a pretty optimistic show that night. Like, hey, if they play like this, um, things will change. Darvin said something interesting about when he was asked about the starting lineup. Like, are you planning on making changes? Which he eventually did. But his response was, hey, you know, we have to be really careful about this stuff because making changes to the lineup, when you change the starting lineup in the NBA at this level, it is a really big deal. It is a BFD. And, you know, you have to do these things judiciously. And one of the things that really bothers me about the lineup change that they made, and again, early returns have been terrible on, on this, and I do not expect them to get better, is that you, if these things are precious and if you really have to make sure that you are doing them carefully and you're not just constantly injecting change into your lineups and, and into your rotation and making guys uncomfortable with the roles that they're being asked to play, why you would choose this lineup 
which almost certainly is going to need to be changed again. And quite frankly, it's a lineup that you clearly don't feel that confident in because you're only playing it nine minutes a game is beyond me. It is one of the things about it that really bothers me. If you have players who don't understand their roles and you take, you really want to be really careful about how often you change the starting lineup and you pick this one, I, I just, I, I don't get it. And um, to me, this is one of these things that, is, that when inevitably they change again, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Darwin is in real danger potentially of losing some of the buy-in that he's been able to create with players because the results aren't great. Um, everybody is frustrated, and more importantly, nobody really understands what they're supposed to be doing or believes that the people in charge know what they're supposed to be doing. It's really interesting thinking about this. And again, like I, I've said before, I have more at least cautious optimism that this incarnation of what he's gone with could work, which isn't to say that it's the solution that he should land on. No, or but you're more than me. There's no right, question. right. You were, you were more like, let's see before. And I, I was like, no. Well, e but I've been way. saying it all year. Right. Either way, though, a, a, the even with that in mind, you are correct that everybody needs to understand their role. Everybody has to. Everybody has to also have a good idea of what everyone else is doing because that also helps you better understand your own role yourself. I think there's a couple things at play here. Like we've talked about before, the defense has been worse in the first quarter even than the offense. As much as the offense has been a legitimate problem for the team, whether you're talking about in first quarters or period, certain things have been better than defense. For example, over this two and six stretch since the IST, finals the lakers have actually as a team shot pretty well from behind the arc they're averaging 39 percent as a team if anything the problem is they're not taking enough of them like during this period where the the three-point percentage has gone up to 39 percent they've incrementally not taken that many more threes per game they're taking maybe like two and a half more per game than like they had on average for the what they've averaged for the season. And then ironically, as their average has gone up making threes, um, their opponent three-point average has also gone up because they've become worse at guarding the three. So it offsets a lot of work that they've done, mm -hmm. like positive work. But again, I, I, you, I have said this now a few times, they need to be taking more shots as a team, period, but they also need to be taking more threes. I get that sometimes when they don't go in, that will be very frustrating, but you're never going to know whether or not they go in until you take them. And especially right now, when they actually have been going in more, I think they need to be more comfortable. But, but I mean, but to your point, if that's something you think needs to happen, this lineup is not a really good avenue to get there, at least while those starters actually, are actually, it's honestly kind of indifferent. I think to that effect, because the same guys taking the most amount of threes, LeBron's out there, Torian Prince is out there. You're talking about one fewer guy in either D'Lo or Reeves, but no, but, but the quality of the threes you're going to get, you know, for every, you know, it's it's going to be a few more in theory, either open Jared Vanderbilt threes that he doesn't take, sure. or open Cam Reddish threes that he probably misses because he's not a good three point shooter. 
And so you're adding that. And then the quality of the threes available for LeBron, for um, for Torian Prince, for Anthony Davis, I guess if he wants them, very low volume three point shooter. Yeah, I'm not counting it as well. Like, you know, for those two guys, the, you know, the Prince and and LeBron available looks are going to be significantly worse. They're going to be much more contested. So, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I mean, I, I guess I, I got to be, I mean, look, I think to some degree the gravity on this team just isn't that much of a factor because they don't have a lot of shooters that you're scared of anyway. So in certain respects, they're always going to defend D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves at the arc. You do not defend Jared Vanderbilt and Cam Reddit. You, you ignore both of them. Again, want to make this clear. This is not me advocating for this lineup. This is me advocating for reasons that it may exist and might as well put it out there. I think one of the reasons it is out there is to pace LeBron defensively and to try to offset what he is not doing defensively sure. to start games. What's I mean, I don't, and I, I should have the number. I'll look it up for tomorrow's show. Like, what's the difference between their first quarter and their third quarters in theory when they're starting the same people throughout the season? And so, like, the third quarter is better, right. but it's still not great. Def- but the first quarter defense is wretched. Now, is, is that so? Is that because they have the wrong lineup out there? The same because you understand the point I'm getting at. If the same groups of humans perform better in the third quarter than they do in the first quarter, what is the difference between what's the pacing? Happening? I think, in some respects, it's the pacing that LeBron puts himself through. I've okay. said that. I think that is one of the things. Kind of an elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. That's but fair. I think that is one of the reasons that this happens. Again, I'm not saying that it is a reason that's good enough that you should go with the lineup. But yeah, I, do I mean, think- they, are, they are effectively punting on offense. Like, for, I mean, like about I, five minutes. Yes. For, you know, for, for those 10 minutes a game. You know, right. For, five you know, minutes per half. Yes. Um, I'm not saying and, it's a good idea, but if you're right. asking me why this happens, I think that is a reason that, by the way, nobody is ever going to say. Fair enough. You have not, you know, not allowed. You know, right. It's like Voldemort. You're not going to say that. I, and that's a good point. But like, could you accomplish something? This this feels to me like they took a sledgehammer for a job that could be done a little better. Like, like I, I'm not a big advocate of Max Christie as a ball handler, for example. Um, I do think that the, you know depending on what they're asking him to do, sometimes the results are good. Sometimes they're not. And as much as we all love the potential of Christie, there are like Lakers fans need to pump the brakes sometimes on, on like, Oh, if you just played him like, well, no, like sometimes he actually does some harm, but as a catch and shoot guy and as a, as a defender, he's had some success. So like, to me, like this is one of those things, like if you're going to do something like this, could you insert, Christie, who's not a ball handler, but at least keeps some. It's a better ball handler than Jared Vanderbilt, but he, you know, I don't actually. Know I think he so, is, but I think he is. I think it's pretty um, negligible, but he's definitely a much more reliable floor spacer. That and is a hundred percent true. You know, he's not quite the defender, but he's still pretty good and pretty versatile. Like, I, you know, and look, they want more size. They want a lot of other stuff. I, I all these things, I understand, but it's just. If it's it's the preciousness of these moves, um, which is why 
you know, I think when fans sometimes look at this and say, well, why aren't they just doing just changes? Keep trying, tinker with this, pull guys in and out and see whether there's a reason you can't because at the professional level, players won't put up with it. Maybe they should be able to, maybe the inconsistency, inconsistency isn't something that will bother them, but it does. And more than that, like by you, by the time you get to game 45 or 50, you really need to have settled on some kind of rotation that stays consistent unless people get hurt. Agreed. And, and, and they are making it hard to do that. I think here it, unless you think that in the end, once they start, like once they start becoming really comfortable with the defensive schemes now there with reddish and Vando. And I think to some degree Prince as well, as your, you know, your wing foundation to what AD can do as a backline and what LeBron can do if fully enabled to pick his spots without sure. hurting as much and the disruptiveness and the transition opportunities that hopefully can come against less set defenses. Again, this is the best case version of this where everybody performs at right. a really high level in this scheme that you could argue isn't worth having to discover that level, but that's the idea of it. And, you know, beyond making life easier for LeBron defensively, in certain respects, it may make life easier for AD defensively because okay. he is already asked to do a whole lot, which is why whenever you hear guys, at least so far, talking about this Newton lineup, the two people that don't seem unhappy about it, at least outwardly, are LeBron and AD. I don't entirely agree with that. I, I think I don't. I don't know based on my reading of tone and things like that. I think they are not throwing their coach under the bus. I don't think either one of them has expressed a great deal of enthusiasm. Um, but like, look, there's a lot more to unpack here. And I think, and but, of, just really quick, if you wanted to give Jackson Hayes's 10 minutes a game to Max Christie, I would be fine with that. Sure. If you want to divvy them up amongst other players or, you know, seven of them somehow to Austin Reeves, fine. I think one thing that is hurting them in the rotation is trying to squeeze Jackson Hayes in for four and a half minutes a half or whatever, or seven minutes in one half, two in the other. I don't think it is working in any way that is useful for the team or, frankly, to Hayes. There's a lot going on here uh, with the Lakers in their rotation. Um, more stuff, I think, that's still um, important to talk about in terms of what LeBron and Anthony Davis and Darvin Ham said about margin for error and um, attention to detail that we can get into for, for tomorrow's show because that really reflects on how good they think this team is right now. Um, so Locked on Lakers on YouTube, that's something to look forward to for tomorrow. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out with over 22,000 subscribers. Uh, we'll get you ready for the big game against the Hornets. That is a must-win, folks. Can't lose that one. Um, and um, Thankfully, they'll be rested. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's all right. the rest game. I'm not. Well, I'm, they're going to beat the Hornets. I'm not worried about that. We're going to we're going to get out there and beat those Hornets. Um, still don't like the lineup, but that lineup can beat the Hornets. We're cool. I'm not worried about that. Uh, but there are some a lot of bigger picture stuff to think about. <laughs> if they lose to the Hornets, that lineup's officially scrapped. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> you won't be hearing from him anymore. That, that lineup's done. <laughs> 
get me some Alex Fudge in the starting line. <laughs> you just start making big changes, big swings. Uh, but we will see everybody on Thursday.